Today, as we uh, continue our year-long study on the life of Jesus, we're, at, we're starting a brand new series for the next several weeks called Level Up. Now, you may have heard this phrase, Level Up, before, and you may have uh, heard that it's used in a variety of different ways. And for some of you, when you think of that word, Level Up, you, you think of video games. Now, I'm not a big gamer myself, uh, but here's something you need to know about me. In my previous life, before I became a pastor, student pastor in college, uh, my senior year of high school and a little bit of my junior year, I worked at Chuck E. Cheese. I wore the brown polyester, the, the, the plastic derby hat. I was styling chick magnet. But then, um, back then, if you, you know, in the 80s, if you wanted to play any kind of video game, uh, you, you couldn't just grab your phone or turn on a computer. It wasn't, wasn't happening back then. You could go to your TV and play some Pong or something like that or a little tank battle game. But uh, if, if you're going to play video games, you had to go to an arcade like, like one at Chuck E. Cheese. So uh, there were all kinds of perks that, that came along with working at Chuck E. Cheese. Besides the, the really cool stylish outfit, you got unlimited tokens to use at the arcade. And so uh, when, when, you're, when we play in video games, one of the phrases that, that would be used when a player would, would go from one level to, to the next would be uh, to level up. Well, for others of you, when you think of the, word, the words level up, it, it might mean that you are, you are going to the next level in your life. Maybe you've leveled up in, a, uh, in your job. You've just been recently promoted or you've, you've gotten a raise or maybe uh, you've received your next level in your, your airline reward status or maybe you know, it's the number of followers you have on social media. Level, all, level up is all about getting from where you are to where you want to be, to the next level. Well, what does that look like in your relationship with God? How do, you, how do you level up in your journey to become a fully devoted follower of Jesus Christ? Well, we're going to talk over the next few weeks. We're going to dive into that. And we're going we're gonna to ask that tough question. And we're going to talk about some specific areas where Jesus himself is calling us to level up. Because here's what you need to know about following Jesus. And this is a great quote from pastor and author Tim Keller. He says, God sees us as we are, he loves us as we are, and accepts us as we are, but by grace, he does not leave us as we are. And I'm grateful for that, so grateful for that. At this moment, at the moment we trust Jesus Christ to be our personal savior and we accept his free gift of salvation, we enter into this lifelong journey and it's a journey to become like Jesus. So with that said, let's dive in. After uh, Jesus had, had resurrected from the grave and right before he ascended up into heaven, the Bible tells us that he told all of his disciples, and at this point there were 11 of them that followed him, he told them to meet him in Galilee and to go up on a mountain where he was going to have a moment with them. It was here that Jesus spoke to them for the very last time. And I want you to listen to what he said to them out of Matthew chapter 24, or 28, excuse me, verse 18. He said, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. Now, if someone's getting ready to say their last words, you know that those words are going to have great value. Matter of fact, they're they're probably going to say, what's most important to them. And in the case of Jesus, you couldn't find a more strategic, more well-planned, more purposeful person than him. I mean, his words had great value. 
His mission was crystal clear. He told these guys, I want you to go and make disciples. I want you to baptize them. And I want you to teach them to follow all my commands. What that means is that making disciples is the top priority of any church. It should be anyways. It's job one for us. It's job one for me as a pastor. When I stand up here on Sunday morning, my goal is to help you to become a more fully devoted follower of Jesus Christ. It's job one for every individual. If you're a parent here today, listen, this is important. The goal, your goal in raising your kids should be to raise them up, to leave your home and to be disciples of Jesus Christ. We've all been called to be disciples that make disciples. Our mission as a church reflects that calling. Our mission is to lead people to become fully devoted followers of Jesus Christ. That means that everything that we do around here is done with that one goal in mind, to lead people to become fully devoted followers of Jesus Christ. And part of the journey to become a fully devoted follower of Jesus is to make disciples. What is a disciple? Real simple. Disciple is a fully devoted follower of Jesus. So if we're going to fulfill the calling of Jesus to go and make disciples, we have to first and foremost be personally committed ourselves to be growing and to become a fully devoted follower of Jesus. You cannot lead people where you are unwilling to go yourself. So the challenge this morning is to level up. To level up in the area of becoming a disciple, in the area of discipleship. Well, first of all, how do you become a disciple? How do you become a disciple of Jesus? Well, the very first step to becoming a disciple of Jesus is salvation. What is salvation? Salvation is God offering mankind a rescue. What do we need to be rescued from? Sin. We were born into this world because of the sin of mankind, the sin of Adam. We come into this, I mean, think about this little baby you're holding so sweet. It's a little sinner, all right? And we're born into this world with this desperate need for a savior. And so because God saw that and because he recognized the fact that we were separated from him from, uh, by sin, he sent his only son, Jesus, into the world to pay for your sin, to give his life as a ransom for your sin, to pardon you, to offer you a pardon. And when Jesus went to the cross, he took all of the sins of mankind on him and he paid the price once and for all for them so that you could now make a decision to receive God's free gift of salvation that's been offered to you by grace. God's offering you today a rescue. That's the very first step is to receive God's free gift of salvation. The next step is to begin to follow Jesus in every area of your life. Listen to how Jesus called his first disciples to follow him. Jesus is walking along the Sea of Galilee, along the seashore, and he sees two brothers. It says he saw two brothers, Simon, who is called Peter, and Andrew, his brother, casting a net into the sea, for they were fishermen. And he said to them, follow me, and I will make you fishers of men. And the Bible says immediately they left their nets and followed him. And then going on from there, he saw two other brothers, James, the son of Zebedee and John, his brother, in the boat with Zebedee, their father, mending their nets. And he called them and immediately they left their boat, they left their father and they followed him. Now here we see Jesus inviting the first disciples to follow him, to leave what they were doing and to follow him. Now he wasn't just asking these men to hang out with him. He was inviting them to become like him. He was inviting them to walk with him, to to watch how he he lived his life and to become an imitator of him. The words follow me actually mean to come after me, to become just like me. Now, why would Jesus do that? Why did the son of man, the son of God, why did he need followers? Well, ultimately he chose 12 men so that he could pour his life into them so they would start a revolution that would change the world. Now, back then this revolution 
was called the way. If you were following Jesus, you were part of the way. Today we know that to be called, to be called Christianity. And the vehicle that God created through these men to ignite and to birth this movement of Christianity was the church. And and a church is made up of those who have trusted Jesus Christ to be their savior and have decided to follow him with their whole heart. Well, what are some characteristics of, of, of a disciple of Jesus? Well, when I was younger, if you were to ask, have asked me what it looked like to be a disciple, a fully devoted follower of Jesus, I would have pulled out of, I would have pulled out a list. All right. And, and on that list would have been just a, a whole things that I would have checked daily devotions in the Bible. Very important. All right. Daily time in prayer check. Very important. But on that list would be my do's and don'ts of sin. And here's the thing. My sin list probably would have looked a little different than your sin list, depending on what family you were raised in and what church you grew up in. But I had my checklist read my Bible, check, pray, read, check, you know, don't sin, don't do this, don't do this, don't do that, do this. And, I mean, if, if, if my list was good, then God was good with me. That was what I thought. However, if I slacked up on the list, then I would go through the day just filled with guilt. I would actually believe that God was going to cause me to have a bad day, a bad day in school, bad day on the, on the sports field, bad day at home. Being a disciple was all about my ability to keep a list. Can I tell you, it's faulty thinking. And I want to tell you what a day of, of life change freedom for me when I found out that Jesus Christ had already accomplished all of that for me. God's ability to be pleased in me, his ability to approve of me, all of that was because of what Jesus had already done for me. Listen, becoming a fully devoted follower of Jesus is a lifetime journey of just learning and understanding. It's filled with mountains and valleys and bumps and bruises and troubles and trials and victories and celebrations. It's about a relationship with a person who passionately loves you. And receiving that love is so much an important part of that journey and then learning to share it with other people. Well, with that said, let me give you a few words that the Bible describes, uses to describe some characteristics of a disciple. And you're, you're gonna recognize these words because they're in big silver letters across the balcony as you walk out into the atrium. That first word is, is just first and foremost is love. One day, a, a, a young man, actually an expert of Jewish law, tried to chat, uh, trap Jesus with this question. And he basically said, what's, what's the most important law uh, or commandment of the, of the law of Moses, of the Old Testament? And Jesus said, simple. Here's the first one. He said, um, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all of your mind. And the second one, he said, is just like it. He said, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. Now, to love God with all your heart, soul, and mind is an all-consuming love that impacts everything you do. Every decision, every action, every move, every, it all comes from an all-consuming love for God. Now, let me tell you where that decision is, is reflected the most with other people. That decision really, really meets, meet, where the rubber meets the road is with other people. If there's an all-consuming love for God that permeates you and overwhelms your heart and your soul and your mind, it's going to supernaturally overflow out of your life and it's going to land on other people. You won't be able to help it. An overwhelming love for God is going to produce an overwhelming love for others, for people. And listen, and not just people that are like you. I mean, it's easy to love people that are just like us, that like the same things that we like, that have the same interests, same hobbies, maybe even from the same family, maybe not. But listen, you're gonna begin, when you, when you become filled with this love of God and you, 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 you give it back to him, the, the result is you're gonna begin to have a love for people that are, that are from different backgrounds, people from, from different races. 
Even people from different political parties, believe it or not, all right? You're going to love them. You're going you're to even from different religions. And that's what happened to the men that Jesus chose to be his disciples. As they followed Jesus and they watched his life, they saw this love, the love of the Father, just overflow out of his life unto others. Now, over the last several weeks, as we've been doing this series, last several months, actually, we've been looking at some of these stories where Jesus had interactions with people. You think about Jesus, who, this love that he had for the Samaritan woman. I mean, he actually, his love crossed ethnic and gender lines. You think about how he extended his love to a Pharisee. John chapter three, met this man named Nicodemus, who was a Pharisee. His love crossed religious lines. He extended love to Peter who had denied him three times. Grace and love. He extended, he offered love to an adulterous woman by offering her grace and and, and by giving her a fresh start. He would extend his love to his enemies, those who would kill him by asking his father to forgive them because they didn't know what they were doing. He offered love to a world includes us who would reject him and mock him and persecute uh, his own people by giving up his life for them. And when you think about that, that's amazing love. But here's the truth. The more you learn to receive this love, the more you learn to receive the love of Jesus, you'll be able to offer love to others. Love is actually a litmus test for how you can know that you're a growing disciple of Jesus Christ. Jesus said in John chapter 13, verse 35, he says, by this, all men will know that you are my disciples. If what? If you love one another. Now here's another word that describes what it, what it looks like, a characteristic of a disciple. It's the word grow. A disciple of Jesus Christ is going to be growing in their spiritual maturity. Now in 2 Peter chapter 1, the apostle Peter, who was a close disciple of Jesus, walked intimately with him for three years. He tells us that we have been given everything that we need through God's power to live a godly life. And that same power has given us all of God's wonderful promises. And as we access all of that provision that God has given us, and we access all of those promises, we access them by walking in faith and obedience to God. And that faith and obedience helps us to grow and develop as disciples. Now, I want you to listen to what Peter says, how Peter describes what that looks like. Listen to these virtues and values. He says, in view of all of this, in view of the fact that you're walking in faith, you're walking in obedience... And God's given you provision and he's given all of his promises are yes and amen, all right? In view of all of this, make every effort to respond to God's promises. Supplement your faith with a generous provision of moral excellence and moral excellence with knowledge and knowledge with self-control and self-control with patient endurance and patient endurance with godliness and godliness with brotherly affection and brotherly affection with love for everyone. And then Peter says, the more you grow like this, the more productive and useful you will be in your knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. In other words, as we seek to grow in our relationship with Jesus Christ, as we exercise faith and we walk in obedience to God's word, God develops his very nature inside of us. We become transformed from the inside out. We actually become like Jesus. Now, parents, listen to me. As you are raising your children in a world that is strongly pushing against Christian values and Christian virtues, listen, you need to ask yourself, are these the virtues that you want for your children? Think about this for a moment. Moral excellence, um, godly knowledge, patient endurance, godliness, brotherly affection, and love. I mean, if that's what you want for your own life and for your kids, then the main focus of your best time, your best energy, your best resources should be on spiritual growth. 
Let me say, nothing wrong with travel sports. Nothing wrong with, 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 with this camp or that camp. Nothing wrong with, with after-school jobs. Nothing wrong with vacations and weekend getaways. My family's done all of that stuff. It's good stuff. But that should never be the goal. That should never be the priority. It should never be the focus. Our main focus in this life has to be growing fully devoted followers of Jesus and making disciples of Jesus in our own home. Peter goes on to say that those who fail to develop these virtues and these values will be spiritually blind and short-sighted forgetting that Christ has delivered them from their former way of life. Listen, I, I don't want kids growing up in my home leaving to go out in this world that's pushing against everything that I've taught them. And because I've not made becoming a Christ follower the main focus, they become blind and short-sighted and don't really understand what Christ has done for them. No. So every day and every week, here's what you do. You put yourself in a position for you and your family to grow spiritually. Here's another characteristic of a disciple of Jesus, the word serve. The apostle, Pete, apostle Paul tells us in Philippians chapter two, that when it comes to how we treat one another, we should take on the mindset of Jesus who made himself nothing and took on the humble position of a servant. Jesus told his disciples in Matthew chapter 20, he did not come to earth to be served, but to serve others and to give his life as a ransom for other people. You cannot be a fully devoted follower of Jesus Christ and not be serving. The two go hand in hand. But here's the thing, service is a choice. God's not gonna force anyone to serve. However, when, he, when, you, when you see someone setting aside their own personal needs, their own personal desires to serve others, then you know that that life is in the process of being transformed into the image of Jesus. Serving goes against our nature. When when you see someone sacrificing time, sacrificing money, even their own reputation to serve others, they are going against their own nature and they're taking on the nature of Jesus. Let me tell you one of the, one of the, the best places that, that, that I see in this church to serve. You want to you make an impact in someone's life? You want to see somebody literally be, 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 be transformed, grow up in the faith, and all of a sudden to go in, a, in, a, in the direction of following Christ? You serve in the middle school area of this, of this church. Now, I'm going to tell you this. Here's the thing. I was a middle school pastor for two years. That's all I could take. Amy, my, my wife, Amy taught middle school for a, for a couple of years. She was a seventh grade teacher. There is not a more formable time in a person's life than middle school, truly. And yet, when I see our middle school workers just pouring into these kids, pouring, I mean, sometimes they're like, are these kids even listening to what I'm saying? They are. This generation can multitask like no one else. I mean, it's unbelievable. They could be texting, watching TV and listening to your conversation all at the same time. It's crazy. All right, but listen, I'm telling you, not a, norm, not a more formable time in their life. Now, why am I saying all of that? Because I want you to serve, but also I'm giving, a, an, I'm giving an announcement. I'm trying to recruit middle school workers right now because when our middle school small groups are 20 people deep, we need more workers. We need more people pouring and helping our young people. You, listen, this is true. When, when a student gets to about ninth grade, they're making a decision about which way they're gonna go in their life. Not to say they can't be rescued in 11th grade, 12th grade or whatever, but it's such a major time. You want to make a difference? Serve in middle school. See Brad Chandler after church, all right? The next, the next characteristic, and there he is right over there, all right? Share, share. Listen, if we're going to fulfill the last command that Jesus gave his followers to go into all of the world to make disciples, then sharing our faith in Christ is essential, but it can't stop there. 
We have to develop those people that trust Christ into disciples. And it can't stop there because Jesus commands us to make disciples who make disciples. And that's where all of us should be heading in our growth. Now, over the years, I've had people tell me that they were not really into sharing their faith. We, we call that evangelism or outreach. They were, they were more about discipleship, which means growing deeper in their knowledge of God's word. All right? It's, it's, it's not even about making disciples. It's more about growing inward. When Jesus says, follow me, he says, I will. When you follow me, he says, I will make you fishers of men. He's talking about having a heart to lead others to Christ. He's talking about the importance of growing outward. You have to grow inward, but you also have to grow outward. And honestly, to be all about growing deeper in knowledge about God and never sharing the truth of your salvation with your friends or family is like being in a rowboat with one oar. You're just rowing in circles. You're not experiencing the full life that God has for you. But listen, when you put an oar of discipleship in your hand and you put an oar of sharing your faith, an oar of evangelism in your hand, and you start rowing, now you're going somewhere. All right? Now you're following Jesus. Now you're getting to the place where you're becoming a, a more fully devoted follower. Nothing wrong with growing deeper. Nothing wrong with growing wider. But if you don't grow both in the church or grow both in your life, your church is going to be unbalanced. The light, your life's going to be unbalanced. You're going to miss out on the full picture of what it means to be a disciple of Jesus. Let me ask you this right now. What are you doing right now to grow in your life? Where do you need to level up when it comes to growing as a disciple? This morning, I want you to make a commitment to take a step. Take a step, all right? Focus in on one area. Every, every, listen, in everything you need to grow in that area that God's putting on your heart right now, you've already been given through your relationship with Jesus Christ. Now make a choice, take a step, put it into action and grow in that area. But keep this in mind, it's a journey. You're not gonna get there tomorrow. You're not gonna get there today, all right? You're still gonna, there's areas you're still gonna struggle in, but God's given you everything you need to take that step, to become a more fully devoted follower of his son, Jesus. Now, what does it cost to become a disciple? Now, we, we gotta talk about this. When Jesus called his disciples in Matthew 4, 20, he said, listen, follow me and I will make you fishers of men. And what did they do? The Bible says they immediately left their nets and they followed him. Here's the cost to becoming a disciple. Symbolically, it's our nets. What's a net? A net is anything that inhibits or prohibits an all-out commitment to follow Christ. And this net, this, is the, this net is where most people put on the brakes when it comes to becoming a disciple. It's where people get stalled out on the journey to follow Jesus. This is where the questions begin. If I become a committed follower of Jesus, then what are people going to think of me? They're going to think I'm one of those freaks. Like I've lost my mind. If, if I go all in with Jesus, then what am I going to have to stop doing? What am I going to have to give up that I love to do? How is God going to suck joy out of my life? What am I going to miss out on? If I level up in my relationship with Christ, then what's it going to cost me? Well, for Peter, Andrew, James, and John, they left their nets. They left their former way of life and they walked away from, and they, from everything and they followed Jesus. Now, let me, I just want to mention a few of the nets that I've recognized over, you know, the many years of my life and doing what I do that stand in the way of people following Jesus. So becoming a fully devoted follower of Jesus Christ. One is just security. Security is that need to have things in this life that just make you feel safe. 
that make you feel like your life is important, that make you feel like you've arrived. It's, it could be possessions or pleasure or a person or power. And none of those things are, none of those things are wrong in and of, of themselves unless they stand in the way of you taking your next step to follow Jesus. How about, how about a wrong relationship? It's a dating relationship that may be, may be sinful. A relationship with someone who is pulling you back spiritually. I've heard this a lot over almost 30 years of doing what I do. I'm going to date this person and my testimony is going to be so powerful in their life that they're going, I'm going to lead them to Christ. That rarely happens. I can think of maybe one or two occasions where I've watched that happen. Matter of fact, most of the time, just the opposite happens. Their life pulls you back, pulls you away from Christ. All right. What about misguided plans and dreams? Listen, plans and dreams are great. I'm a big fan of plans and dreams, unless those plans and dreams are outside of God's will, outside of God's will of your life. When, when, when our plans and dreams are keeping us from full devotion to Christ, they become a net, something that inhab- inhibits, prohibits an all-out commitment to Christ. This is a big one, money and things. Money and things, nothing wrong with having a desire to make money, nothing wrong with having a desire to have lots of stuff unless it takes preeminence over your desire to follow Jesus. Jesus is talking to this young, rich ruler. And the guy says, what do I have to do to inherit eternal life? And Jesus says, well, tell me what you've done. And he starts going through this list of things that, he done, that he's done. And Jesus says, okay, that's great. Looking at the man, the Bible says in Mark 10, 21, he says, looking at the man, Jesus felt genuine love for him. But he knew that he was only going to go so far. He knew that he had a net in his life. And he asked him, he said, okay, here's what... He said, this is, there's still one thing you haven't done. He told him, he says, go sell all your possessions, give the money to the poor and you will have treasure in heaven and then come follow me. The man walked away. Couldn't drop that net. Could not say, there's a cost to following Jesus. Another one, sinful attitudes. This could be anything that stands in the way of loving God, loving others. Our pride can be an inhibitor. Our, our, our selfishness, being judgmental. How about hatred in your heart for other people? How about unforgiveness? You want something to stall out your journey of becoming a a fully devoted follower of Jesus Christ? Man, bitterness and unforgiveness is is a rally killer. How about secret sin? Maybe maybe it's stealing from an employer. Maybe maybe you feel like you deserve it. Maybe maybe cheating on your taxes is a big one, pornography. Years ago, I was trying to help this, this guy overcome a porn addiction. And it literally came down, his wife sitting there, it came down to making a choice between his porn addiction and his marriage and his children. It was porn or your commitment to following Jesus. I mean, it came down to that. And it was heartbreaking watching this man choose porn. He literally said it. I choose porn over my wife, my kids and Christ. And it was devastating. But here's the good news. God didn't give up on him. Just kept chasing him, chasing him, chasing. I watched this guy spiral further into sin, which caused this guy all of he just became just went down deeper into pain and loneliness and misery and loss. I mean, he lost everything. And finally, one day he repented of his sinfulness, came back to his marriage, his wife offered him grace, came back to his kids, and now is spending his life helping other men to do the very same thing. It's a great story. Jesus is calling all of us to leave the lesser things of life, to leave the things that have no eternal value, 
the things that look fulfilling but are nothing more than drains and dead ends for a life of promise and fulfillment. But in order for us to get there, some of you are going to have to drop your nets and leave them behind to leave the thing that stands between you and Jesus. Listen to these powerful words from Mark 8, 34. He says, then calling the crowd to join his disciples. Here's what he said. If any of you wants to be my follower, you must give up your own way, take up your cross and follow me. I want you to look at, do do something for me. Every one of you would just, just do this. Hold your hands out in front of you. I want you to look, look closely at your hands. Do you see those lines on your hands that are all, every one of you have them, right? Are those lines on your hands, are those lifelines or are those net burns? What are those in your hands right now? Listen, I want to encourage you, level up and let those nets fall to the ground and follow Jesus with your whole heart, church. Every one of you. Let it be job one, parents, to raise up a generation of kids who fully love Jesus Christ with all of their heart, who are so radical that they literally change the world for Christ. What are the results of becoming a disciple of Jesus? Oh, life change. You, over time, you become like Jesus. Galatians 4.19 says that Christ becomes formed inside of us. That means that your desires will become God's desires. Your goals over time will become his goals. Your priorities will change. How you raise your kids will change. The way you view your time on this earth will change. Again, Listen to what Jesus told his first disciples. Follow me and I'll make you fishers of men. He literally changed their priorities. They went from fishing for fish to fishing for men. Jesus changed the course of it. He actually gave them a different purpose. Another thing that will happen is you'll be filled with the Holy Spirit. Listen, imagine being able to tackle the issues and challenges of life with a full measure of God's power at your disposal. That's the result of of, of living your life as a disciple of Jesus. You become empowered with the greatest power that mankind has ever known. You will also bear fruit in your life. Galatians 5, 22, 23 says, but the fruit of the spirit is love and joy and peace and patience and kindness and goodness and faithfulness and gentleness and self-control. How how many would you, you would, would love to have those words describe you on a daily basis? Now I could keep reading in the list are the opposite words and it's ugly. When God's spirit inside you, lives inside of you, you're going to have a love for people that you didn't have before. Even people that you thought previous, previously were unlovable. You're going to have inner joy in the midst of good times and bad times. You'll be able to handle life with peace. You'll have self-control in areas where you've previously struggled. The possibilities for life change are endless when we're filled with the Holy Spirit. You're also going to face hardships and persecution, but you're going to be able to handle them. Now, I don't want to leave you hear without giving you the full truth, the full measure about what becoming a fully devoted follower is really like. Jesus warned his disciples, you're going to be persecuted for following me. He tells them in Matthew chapter 10 that they were going to be sent out as sheep among wolves. He told them that they'd be persecuted by spiritual and political institutions. He tells them that they would stand trial for their faith and some of them would actually die for their faith. And over and over again, he tells them, says, don't be afraid though. He assures them how valuable they are to him and how he will be with them even down to the end. And then he says this in, Mark, in, in Matthew 10, 38, he says, if you refuse to take up your cross and follow me, you are not worthy of being mine. If you cling to your life, you will lose your life. But if you give, it up for, if you give up your life for me, you'll actually find it. What a powerful word for today. 
And think about this. What do people want more than anything in this life? We want life. We want to know that our life had purpose and meaning. And Jesus says, if you cling to this life, you'll lose your life. But if you will, you will, you will, you will give up your life in this world, you'll actually find life. You will find more purpose and meaning. You'll find a life of, of victory over sin and its consequences. You'll find contentment and peace in the midst of turmoil and trouble. You're going to find courage over, over fear. You're going to have faith. That helps move mountains. So I want to encourage you today to level up in your commitment to become a fully devoted follower of Jesus Christ. What's the step you need to take here today? For some of you, it's to begin the journey. To begin the journey of being a fully devoted follower of Jesus Christ. How do you do that? You receive forgiveness and salvation. You recognize today that you are lost in your sin. You're about as far away from God as you can possibly be. And you recognize that your best efforts are not gonna get you to Jesus. The family that you were born in is not gonna get you right with God. Being born in the right country is not gonna get you to God. Listen, Jesus said, come to me who are weary and I'll give you rest. Why are people weary? Because they're trying so hard to do life in their own power. Trying so hard to make things right with God in their own strength and power. If we could do that, there would be no need for Jesus. Jesus says, come to me, all you who are just tired of trying to do this whole life in your own power. He says, I'll give you rest. And some of you today need to make that decision. For some of you, the next step, the next step is, is what those folks did up there just a few moments ago. Get baptized, make it public. Let the world know that you're a follower of Jesus. For others of you, it's, it's, it's just taking that next step in love. Maybe it's learning to receive God's love. Maybe you don't think you're worthy. God looked at you and said, by grace, I'm gonna give it to you. Maybe it's growing, making a decision. I'm gonna grow, I'm gonna grow deeper in my spiritual maturity. Or it's just serving. It's just serving, serving, in, serving others, serving in the church, serving other people, whatever that looks like. And then just learning to share, to take what God's given you, to go make disciples who make disciples, to share your faith with other people. Let's pray together for a moment. You grab hold of this life, you lose it. But let go of this life and you'll find it. Oh, what a great promise. Father, help us to lay down our lives for you today, to drop our nets, to look at the things that are inhibiting us, prohibiting us for from truly taking that next step of being more like Jesus, of being more fully devoted follower. And Lord, would we just open up our hands and say, Lord, you have that net right now. May we look at these areas, these characteristics of love, grow, serve, share, and say, Lord, this is the area that I need to grow in. You've already given me strength and power. Everything I need, help me to grow in this area. I really need to grow in this area. All your promises are yes, so I'm trusting that you're gonna be with me as I pursue this step. If you're here today and the step you need to take is salvation, you will not be denied right now. All that call upon the name of the Lord Jesus Christ will be saved. And if you're here today and you've never received God's gift of salvation by grace, put your faith in Jesus right now. Pray with me. Say, Lord, at this very moment, I confess to you that I am lost. I am a sinner in need, of a, in need of forgiveness and salvation. Lord, I repent of my sin. I change my mind about about 
everything I thought before about coming to God, about heaven, about this life. And I put my faith and trust in what Jesus Christ did for me on the cross when he came and gave his life for me and paid for my sin. And right now, Lord, with just because of your grace, Lord, by faith, I come to you and I receive salvation into my life. Lord, help me to know now what it really looks like to follow you with everything I have. If you just prayed that prayer, I want you to get your Get Connected card out, fill it out, bring it up to the front, give it to, one, give it to me, give it to one of the prayer counselors who are, gonna just, who are coming up here right now or take it out to the, to the atrium, give it to someone at our help center. Father, for the rest of us, may we surrender whatever that net is that's holding us back. Lord, every one of us, including me, we, we have a next step to take. All of us, we have a next step to take. Whatever's keeping us from taking that next step, may we surrender to you right now. All to Jesus, I surrender. All to you, Lord, I freely give. Worldly pleasures, all forsaken, Lord. Lord, I wanna find my life. I wanna live because of Jesus. Would you stand right now? And would you sing with me? If you need to come and pray, drop your net off at the steps up here. You can do that. You want to come and pray with one of these prayer counselors? I'll be up here in the front. We'll have some other pastors. Let's, let's, uh, let's sing, Westridge. As God is calling us to take that next step to become a fully devoted follower of Jesus, don't hold back. Say, God, here's my hands wide open. Whatever you're calling me to do, I'm taking that next step.